This is Happiness, a Skeptic's Guide, a podcast that aims to explore the explosion of wellness and find the things that could actually make you happier. This episode of uh, Happiness, a Skeptic's Guide is brought to you by Dr. Gary Wood and Paul Flower, as ever. Uh, And it's a bit of a journey, this, this whole series. So we feel that all the episodes pretty much fit together, but the next two will very much overlap because they both cover the topic of stress and stress is a fairly major issue. And in fact, I think to a certain extent, you could maybe say that, that stress is, is the, the foundation stone. Stress is one thing that we kind of all understand about, um, its dangers to happiness. And certainly, uh, there was a massive 2019 health and safety executive study that, uh, said that 602,000 workers were suffering from anxiety and depression caused by stress. And that uh, has led to 12.8 million working days lost, uh, which is pretty significant. So I think we all understand to a degree um, what stress means. Would you agree with that? Well, I think it's lovely you've done your homework as well. I'm glad one of us has. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, stress is something we all understand. And, we, you know, we use this term in various ways. So we might say, I'm, we're stressed the, the bus didn't come. I'm stressed this didn't happen. Uh, we all kind of obsess a little bit about stress and we all think of stress as a bad thing. So maybe in this episode we can explore, is stress always a bad thing? So we can uh, essentially do a glossy um, promo job for stress. We, oh God! Yeah, wouldn't that be good? The benefits of stress. We're spinning stress today in happiness. If only stress would pay us, though. That would <laughs> that would be a wonderful thing. So yeah, I don't believe there's anything such thing as the organisation of stress promotion or uh, the Department of Stress Development. But uh, who knows? Maybe after this, someone will start one, <laughs> and we will get a fee. Right. We covered in the previous episode about I was trying to draw the parallel between well-being being a balance of our resources and challenges and stress, which is how well our resources meet the demands on us. Uh, and that's probably what most of us think about as stress. So when the there are too much demands and not enough resources to deal with them, that's when we say we're stressed. And I think that's a very pithy explanation of stress. That, that's a really, I thought you did really well with that. So uh, nice work. Thank you very much. So if we're going to complicate matters now, now we've just had the pithy one. Let, let's have the, the take the pithy one, <laughs> the complicated one. If we think about stress having three different models There's a stimulus, a response, and a transaction. So to explain those very simply, the stimulus is the model is when something happens to us. So stressful life events. Uh, If something outside of us causes us to be stressed. The response model is when something happens inside of us. So it's more a physiological explanation of stress. And then the transaction one, it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's something that happens between us and the environment. It's almost a dialogue. And those that, those probably sum up what, what most people would understand as stress. Sure. And I think, you know, the, the fact that um, the health and safety executive had to do a, a study into it, and it was very much about stress in the workplace, they're very much thinking there about external factors that people are stressed by work. And that work is a great cause of many people's unhappiness. I mean, that's what we think about as stress, doesn't it? We, we, it's often stress, stressful life events. I mean, what's been more stressful than the pandemic? 
you, you think about how many different types of demands have been put on us and we couldn't plan for it because we, and certainly there's no sense of do we have the resources we've had to make it up as we go along so even things that we've taken for granted like going for a walk or going to the shops have suddenly become stressful events yeah so that they're, they're they're amplified so they're no longer things that we just do without even thinking about now we even have to think about them we have to wear our mask we have to you know sanitize our hands we have to think about a distance from other people who we talk to and how long we talk to them you know it's uh it's adding complexity to it and i suppose if we think of stress as being largely about work about jobs being given to us that we don't feel that we can necessarily cope with or too much responsibility being handed to us in some senses the pandemic has caused us the the opposite problem where the pandemic may lead to loss of work which therefore causes stress because you don't have enough money to live yeah a total vicious cycle which is something we're going to come on to uh, so that's the kind of stimulus model. It's that things have, things happen to us and it causes stress. Now, the response model is we, we hear lots about, you know, people talk about adrenaline and cortisol and glucose levels. It, people like to you know, look at the more physiological, technical aspects of stress. Essentially, what happens is when something, we might be triggered by something, the response inside, the what we call the alarm phase, is just a response to give us more energy. So it, it becomes, in a way, another resource to help us to cope. Yeah, I've always heard of this as, as being the, the flight or fight syndrome. So that that kind of stress exists because it's existed in us always. Because if we saw a lion or some dangerous creature or somebody with a spear in the woods when we were primeval man then uh, you know we had to know to run away from that rather than you know just being relaxed about it because if we were relaxed about it it would kill us i don't know about primeval man it's gone a bit feral around here at the moment so uh, <laughs> yes i mean what we're talking about there is if we start we're talking about physiology a very automatic part of our nervous system the autonomic nervous system and that's the sympathetic branch and that's what we refer to as fight or flight Now, the the second phase of this physiological response is a resistance phase where the body kind of works out, can it cope or can it overcome stress? Uh, So the body's on alert, but if the stress then goes away, then the other branch of the autonomic nervous system kicks in and that triggers a more rest and digest kind of phase. So it brings all the level, all the levels that went up and now brought down. And that's what usually happens. We have a stressful event. It triggers all these, the fight or flight response. We work out how to overcome it. And then we go back to a more restful state. So I suppose, would people consider high stress situations being as ones where they don't get to get through that process because something else comes in that that throws them back to the alarm and resistance stage a little bit well that's that that would be the next phase it would be the idea that if it becomes chronic and the stress so we've still we've been talking about resources and if it becomes chronic and the stress doesn't go away or we haven't found a way to cope with it that puts an extra drain on our resources that can impair our immune system, it causes burnout, and also leads to anxiety and depression. So it's how well we cope with things at what we call the resistance stage, where we're, we're trying to manage the resources, is the, is the important thing. So essentially, we have to get past alarm as quickly as we can and sort of get into resistance so that we you know, can deal with things better. 
Yeah. Now, at the start, I said something about, is stress necessarily a bad thing? Now, we think about it, I don't know if you've had any kind of project to do, or if you've got a deadline, it's amazing how the deadline kicks us into action. And it just indicates that if there's no stress at all in our lives, then we kind of, we almost loll around in a sense of apathy, uh, which is me most evenings, if I'm honest. <laughs> but if there's too much stress, then we kind of, we're in a state of overwhelm. Yeah, so we're, it means we're always thinking about you know, the things that are stressing us rather than getting past them. And can't process, you know, just can't process. But there's there's something called the Yerkes-Dodson law. So no stress at all is kind of, you know, we find it hard to get motivated. Too much stress overwhelms us, but a moderate amount of stress kind of gives us that edge. So, you know, we talk about psyching ourselves up and, you know, but that's the, yeah, the idea that it, moderate stress helps to focus attention and can enhance performance. Hmm. So what we normally think of stress, we might now want to label distress. And the good stuff, the stuff that improves performance, we call eustress. Because as I pointed out before, EU is a good thing. <laughs> They're not very snappy, these titles, are they? I can no. remember distress, obviously, but eustress is something I'm going to struggle with. Eustress. It sounds a bit too close to useless, doesn't it? Yeah, but, <laughs> but use, yeah. so we don't need to necessarily remember it. We just need to know that the, the way we're, we're, we're put together, we can override a stress response and we can perhaps get the stress response out of the overwhelm and down into that moderate, more life-enhancing, performance-enhancing, attention-focusing band of stress. Yeah, so we have to reframe it a lot. We have to think about um, understanding that our reactions to stress are perhaps, okay, we're in fight or flight, we're in, you know, rabbit in the headlights mode, but let's focus a little bit and get this stress to help us to get through the task or the, the you know, the stressor. I mean, a boring task, it does help to have, I mean, when I'm, uh, if I've got something very boring to do, I put very fast paced dance music on. And I, I find my physiology oh, kind of... Teletubbies, yeah. Yeah, well, of course. Oh, God, I love Teletubbies it. theme, yeah. Well, La La is my favourite one because she's so willful. And I w- <laughs> this I w- is dating us a bit, isn't it? Probably not on television anymore. Even. Well, I actually did a lecture on uh, the Teletubbies when I was at... Uh, <laughs> and it was the idea of how the Teletubbies, how, how the programme was framed to make sense of the universe. So whenever, whenever they switched between realms... They had a, uh-oh, and that could be something bad or that could be something new. And that's kind of what happens with stress is that when I, I mentioned right at the start, the transactional model is that involves some kind of appraisal. So if you think about it, the physiological response, it's been said many times before, for stage fright is exactly the same as I'm ready to go on stage now. What is different is the interpretation. And the interpretation is down to the individual. Yes. So that's where that's where this comes in. So we're looking at the environment and we're interpreting it in terms of what we think our resources are or what we think our abilities are. So one of the things I do in coaching is I help people appraise their skills and strengths because often people kind of have a downer on themselves and they don't necessarily fully appraise what they can do. They don't necessarily fully appraise their resources. And the simple fact is, because when we're stressed, we don't need all those high-level functions. I had this happen to me this morning, strangely enough. So it's, it, it, it's a good indication, you know. I was told this morning that we, something was 
needed and then somebody else told me told me that i already had this thing that was needed i couldn't remember having this particular document and you know got into a little bit of a stress about it but you know when i eventually calmed down and started to look through for it i found that i did have it so you know it was instant stress relief uh in that respect and how did you calm down um well you know i just started looking i went you know I, i engaged i you know i was thinking if somebody's saying that this exists and i have it then, you know, I need to look for it in the places where it would be, you know, physically. So, you know, that was that was helpful to me. And that what you've said there kind of illustrates two different styles of coping. So there's a control focus coping where we'd problem solve, look at time management, new learning, training, we'd use logic, uh, we'd seek support, we'd get mentoring, we'd get coaching, we'd read a self-help book. So it's taking control of a situation. Or there's the other version that we often use, especially when something takes us by surprise and we need a quick fix. There's the emotion-focused coping. So a, a negative emotion will happen. So what we'll do, we'll take some action that will quash down that emotion or change that emotion. Uh, in my case, you know, a packet of fig rolls tends to do that. <laughs> a, a, pack, a packet of Jaffa cakes, and I have a method for eating them as well. So I nibble all the chocolate round oh, and just leave no. the leave the orangey disc. I, it, it reminds me. I asked. <laughs> I, I asked my mother. I said, "Do you, mother, do you like Jaffa cakes?" And she says, "Yes, but I don't like the chocolate and I don't like the orangey bit." Anyway, that okay. <laughs> yes, but are anyway, they a biscuit or a cake? Uh, they are a cake. Of course, otherwise they wouldn't be called cakes, would they? Yeah, well, they that's go, the point. They don't. They go stale. They don't go go soft. Uh huh. So the emotion thing is, we do something. We distract ourselves. We'd have you know, and you know, the obvious ones are you know, risky behaviours. You know, drink, drugs, gamble pieces of cake and those are the things that can change the emotion quite quickly but they're only short-term fixes but there are other positive ways we can change the emotion quite quickly so you've you remember i talked about stress response being it gives us more energy so a quick way is to deal with that energy in some way so go for i know it's heresy go for a run or watch other people go for a run i don't know Uh, (laughs) so but if we can do something with the uh, – that's why people often hit things uh, or, or break things because it, we need a release of there's – a, There's a physical reaction there that, yeah. that is distracting us from the, the main topic of the stress. And, and the idea is just to get rid of that emotion as quickly as possible. But if we can use a productive way of getting rid of it, such as exercise, I mean, a few sit-ups or, you know, just – or just go for a walk around the block – what that will do, that will take the stress response down and then we're able to then maybe go into a control-focused approach. The problem arises when we just get stuck in, well, I'll have one slice of cake's good, two slices of cake's very good, a whole cheesecake's excellent. And of course, it doesn't work. It's just using it as a quick fix. Okay, I'm seeing that. Every time I'm stressed now, I'm going to think of the Teletubbies and uh-oh and switching to something different. Yeah, they say that every time it moved from Teletubby land to real person land, they said, uh-oh. Yeah. Every time they spilled something, they said, uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, it's, so although you made a flippant comment about my love of Teletubbies, although I don't like the new ones, I'm, I'm, I'm a classic Teletubby fan. I wasn't even aware that there were any new ones. That's yeah. how far detached I am from Teletubby land. Yeah. 
Now, the voices just give me the creeps now. <laughs> Apologies to those of you who don't understand anything about Teletubbies, but I believe you can look them up on YouTube. You can indeed. I was going to do a La La impression now, but maybe I'll save that for another episode. I'd say, save that for the after party. Right then. <laughs> so the idea then is if we can do something physiological, that is a easy way to counter stress. And we've probably heard a lot about you know breathing techniques, and mindfulness has become the panacea for all ills, which is another episode in itself. Yeah. But the reason those things do work is because it, they change the physiological response. It just interrupts the stress cycle. Yeah, I So see that. It, it is a good reason to actually do a bit of exercise, go out for a run or a brisk walk, to do seven deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. I refer to it as my two-minute stress buster. And I've done a lot of workshops and I often say to people, try this. And you can see the looks on the faces. They're going, yeah, like this is going to work. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, then, and then they all do it. And I haven't yet ex- met anyone who goes, I don't feel any different at all. Now, hmm. I spent a fortune on training in these, ex- in these techniques. And a couple of years ago, I had to have a wisdom tooth removed. And I am petrified of dentists, and I usually have to be knocked out. Mm-hmm. And this de- new dentist says, oh, no, we don't do that. And I said, well, it's not happening then, is it? He goes, no, no, it'll be fine. So I thought, right. So I practiced these techniques. I was dropping my shoulders. I was doing the deep breaths. Anyway, I had to have two fillings and an extraction. And next Whoa. thing I know... And the next thing I know, the dentist... That'll be the cakes to relieve the stress, that will. That's the, that's the, that's the, that was the cheesecake week. Anyway, the de- suddenly the dentist starts shaking me and he goes, Gary, Gary, and I'm going, what? I said, you've got to take that one out because I've done it. I'd fallen asleep in the dentist chair. Wow. You see, I, that's the kind of story I would not believe had you know had you not been saying it in front of my face. There's no way that I think anybody could kind of breathe their way through a, a dental extraction. Well, neither did I. That's the thing. Is is I I, I was just put on the situ- in the in the situation, and I had to just think. Well, I spent thousands of pounds on all these techniques, uh, so I should just use them. And that's a key message with when we talk about breathing exercises and mindfulness and relaxation and those things and exercise. It's not just doing them when you're in the situation. It's because I'd done them over a period of years. I could just call on them. Mm-hmm. They were they were part of your toolkit, essentially. Yeah. And if you do them regularly, you can take the baseline of stress down whenever you want to. To varying degrees. So it's a way of, I mean, throughout, if you think about it throughout, when we're talking about stress, we're talking about resources, we're talking about demands, and we're talking about can we take control. Sure. I so, think that's a, a pretty good point to end, to be honest. Well, I'm thinking of one more takeaway. There's a thing, because we've talked about stress being the uh, stressful life events. But there's also a theory which I think is that stress for most people are those daily hassles. You know, those little annoying things like losing your keys, spilling drinks, missing the bus or not finding a parking space, people being rude to you. And they seem to, yeah, they often tip us over the edge. Hmm. And then on the other side, there's this, uh, the idea of getting a compliment, you know, appreciating a nice coffee, chatting with a friend, having a joke, just having a nice moment, suddenly noticing something in nature and thinking, isn't that nice? So those little uplifts. So we, on one hand, we've got uplifts. On the other hand, we've got hassles. And so at the end of the day, we, we perform a mental balance sheet. And if the 
hassles outweigh the uplifts, we've had a bad day. If vice versa and the uplifts prevail, we've had a good day. And the messages from that is, one, we can find some way to reduce, avoid, or not get so wrapped up in the hassles. Can we let them go? And we can actually create our own little uplifts. So we could just, you know, have a couple of minutes breathing exercise. We can go for a walk. We can, you know, we can tell a joke. We can make some, we can pay a compliment. So in that way, at the, you can have a good day by actually just balancing your uplifts. Yeah, so get, get your balance sheet out, look at your hassles and, uh, and try and outweigh them with the uplifts. That's it. That's as simple as it is. Magnificent. And as I say, this is part of a two-part sort of examination of stress in all its forms. So we hope you'll uh, join us for the next episode and tell your friends. I thought you were going to say in all its glory then, but you know, that would be... <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This was and is Happiness, A Skeptic's Guide with Paul Flower and me, Gary Wood. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean or wherever else you find your podcasts and do join the conversation on social media for links to other happiness-related resources. Find us on Twitter at Skeptics Guide and on Facebook, Happiness for Skeptics. And if you've really enjoyed it, you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Skeptics Guide. Oh, I'd love a coffee.